I'd say this would be number two easiest because you'll have to deal with your own visa and get it all sorted. But honestly, it is just filling out paperwork. You just have to kind of look at the guidelines. They might have five requirements like you have to be making at least two grand a month. Hey, my name is Jordan Giberson. I'm a Texas girl living and thriving in London. The best thing I've ever done, moving abroad hands down. And I'm passionate about helping others do the same. Are you curious about finding a job abroad? You're in the right place, friend. I'll teach you the tried and true secrets of how to make moving abroad a reality for you and how to live a fulfilling life once you get there. We'll cover topics like choosing the best visa for you, how to get a job offer in another country, how to get over your fear of moving abroad, and how to live a life you love once you get there. This is the Move Abroad Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Abroad Podcast. So today we're going to be discussing why being self-employed is the easiest way to move abroad. I honestly believe that if you are self-employed, so if you call yourself a freelancer or contractor or the like, this is the easiest and best way to move abroad. The barrier to entry is low. So let's talk through some of the benefits of moving to Europe as a freelancer, self-employed contractor, shall we? So first I wanted to discuss the difference between a freelancer, contractor, self-employed, and entrepreneur. So basically they're all terms that are used to describe individuals who work independently or run their business. However, they have distinct differentiators in terms of their roles, work arrangements, and business goals. So quickly going over these, freelancer is basically an individual that offers their services or skills on a project-by-project basis. So they're hired by clients or companies for specific tasks or assignments. They have a lot more flexibility on their projects, their clients, and their work hours. A lot of times they work remotely and they have multiple clients at the same time. Freelancers are responsible for managing their own taxes, invoicing, and finding new clients. A contractor is very similar to a freelancer, but is often associated with longer term engagements or contracts. So contractors may work for a specific client on a project or provide ongoing services for an extended period of time. So they might work on site at the client's location or remotely, depending on the work and who they're working with. Um, Contractors normally have a bit more stability in their income and have client relationships compared to freelancers. Like freelancers, contractors are typically responsible for their own business operations and taxes. Self-employed persons, people, persons, whatever, um, being self-employed basically means that you're your own boss and you operate your own business, so it takes on so many different forms. So basically, self-employed individuals can offer products or services or have control over their business decisions and operations. So I'd say that both contractor and freelancer falls under self-employed um, as well as like entrepreneur would also fall into this category. I feel like that's like the overarching category. This is or umbrella that all these other categories fall under. Um, and then entrepreneur. So that's basically someone that creates and operates a business with the goal of achieving significant growth involving innovation, scaling a business, and the creation of value. So entrepreneurs are typically focused on building and scaling their own companies, which might involve new products and maybe getting funding, maybe expanding into new markets. They might hire employees or seek investment or take more financial risks compared to freelancers or contractors or perhaps self-employed individuals. So the main aim for an entrepreneur is to create and grow a sustainable business. So really in summary, they're kind of all almost interchangeable. And I 
think basically, you know, a freelancer and a contractor, they typically are working on a project basis and may not run their own business. Self-employed individuals operate their own business, which can vary in scale and complexity. And then entrepreneurs are business owners focused on building and growing their companies with an emphasis on innovation and expansion. So with all of that, basically that's the type of person I'm talking about. If you fall into one of these categories or like to fall into one of these categories one day, then this episode is for you because I honestly believe that you have the easiest path to move abroad. I think it's really very closely within your reach and I'm excited to talk to you about it today. So let's talk about why moving abroad as self-employed is so great. So moving to Europe as a self-employed individual can offer several benefits, although the specific advantages can really depend on the country within Europe that you're moving to. But here are some of the potential benefits of moving to Europe as a self-employed individual. So number one would be access to diverse markets. Europe is very diverse, a very diverse continent with a wide range of markets, industries, and consumers. So moving to Europe can provide you with access to these markets and potentially increase your client base. The second thing to consider is the cultural and personal enrichment. So living and working in Europe can be a cultural enriching experience. So you have the opportunity to immerse yourself in different cultures, languages, and traditions, which can broaden your horizons and personal growth for your business as well. Number three would be professional networking. So Europe offers numerous opportunities for networking within your field. So you can attend industry events, join local business associations, and connect with potential clients and collaborators. Number four would be quality of life. So it is no secret that many European countries are known for their high quality of life. They offer well-developed healthcare systems, good education options, and social benefits that can perhaps enhance your overall well-being. And they have a lot more work-life balance, which brings us to number five. So work-life balance. Some European countries prioritize work-life balance, which can lead to healthier and more balanced lifestyle. This can be particularly appealing if you're looking to reduce stress and improve your overall quality of life. Number six would be access to a talented workforce. So if your business grows and you need to hire employees, congratulations, Europe offers access to a skilled and educated workforce. Many countries have strong educational systems that produce really great qualified professionals to work for you, which is awesome. Number seven would be travel opportunities. So because of Europe's geographical proximity to other countries and regions, it makes it amazing to have great travel opportunities to travel to neighboring countries. You name it, France, Spain, UK, Morocco. There are so many amazing places to go to and it is a significant perk of being able to travel while you're abroad. Number eight would be financial stability. Some European countries have stable economies and strong financial institutions, which can be beneficial for managing your finances and investments in that country. Number nine would be the cultural and recreational activities. Europe is rich in cultural and recreational activities. You can, I mean, enjoy tons of stuff, historical sites, museums, exploring natural landscapes, and enjoying diverse cuisines, which is awesome. Number 10 is entrepreneurial support. So several European countries offer programs and incentives to support entrepreneurs and self-employed individuals, like providing grants, tax breaks, and business development resources. Um, And number 11 that I have is global perspective. So living and working in Europe can provide you with a global perspective as it is a big hub for international business and collaboration. This can be valuable if you have aspirations to work with clients or partners from all over the world. 
So those are some of the considerations for why being self-employed abroad is really great. There's lots of great benefits to it and how to do it and why it's, I think, so easy. So moving from the United States to Europe as a freelancer involves a few different steps and considerations. So here's kind of a general guideline of what you'll need to make this transition. Number one is visa and immigration requirements. I know I'm starting out with the most sexy parts, visas, (laughs) but honestly, I think that you are at such an advantage if you are self-employed because you can get your own visa. You don't need permission from anybody else. So what I would recommend is research the visa and immigration requirements for the specific European country that you're planning to move to because the requirements can vary quite a bit from country to country, but they all kind of are similar in most ways. So determine the type of visa that suits your situation because some countries offer different freelance or self-employment visas while others might just have one and they might require you to set up a business entity. You're just going to have to kind of do your research on that country. So I'd recommend doing that. If you are interested, I have a free guide on looking into the visa requirements for different countries in Europe. So if you're interested in checking that out, it's at the link that is in the description for this podcast episode. So definitely go check that out if you want to see what countries in Europe are are providing the best visas for people who are self-employed and what visa opportunities you might be able to snag. So definitely go check that out if you're interested. Number two is business structure. Depending on the country, you might need to establish a legal business entity or register as self-employed. This specific requirement really varies on the country, so definitely look into uh, doing your research on whether this is something that you'll need to do. Number three will be financial planning. So assess your financial situation and create a budget if that's something that you like to do. So moving abroad, it can be a bit costly and you'll need to cover expenses like visas, obviously accommodation, everyone has to cover accommodation. You might need health insurance for the visa and just covering your daily living costs. So just be prepared for that. And then open a bank account in the country you plan to move to because this will make it a lot easier to manage your finances locally. One thing on that is you might need to have a specific address that you have secured before you can get a bank account. So just something to keep in mind on that. Number four is healthcare. So research the healthcare system in your destination country. You might need to obtain health insurance or register for national healthcare system, depending on the country's requirements. Number five would be taxation. So understanding the tax implications of your move would be helpful. You might be subject to both U.S. and European taxes. So on this, it would be best to talk with a tax professional. You can look into different blogs and things like that as well, if helpful. That specialize in international tax matters, just to make sure that you're following the rules. Um, I wouldn't stress on this too much, to be honest. I would look into it. You want to be aware for sure. So look into it, but I wouldn't make this your number one stressor or thing that you're focused on as you're kind of on this moving abroad journey. Number six would be legal and regulatory compliance. So just familiar yourself with the local laws and regulations that apply to freelancers, including any registration or reporting requirements. This includes, you know, getting your tax identification number or business licenses. Number seven would be housing and accommodation. So research and secure your housing in your new location. You might want to consider factors like your proximity to clients, cost of living, and local amenities. 
Number eight would be language and cultural adaptation. So depending on your destination, you might need to learn a new language or improve your language skills to communicate effectively with clients and navigate daily life. Number nine would be client and work transition. So communicate with your existing clients about your move and how it might affect your working hours and your availability. So ensure you have a plan for managing work and time zone differences because that might not be something that you're used to dealing with or your clients are used to dealing with and it's 100% manageable. I've been doing it for a long time, um, but it's just something to consider. Number 10 would be networking and local contacts. So start building a professional network in your new location. You might want to attend industry events, join professional associations, and connect with freelancers or entrepreneurs. There's tons of ways to connect with people. There's lots of events that are going on all the time. Maybe if you're in a smaller town, there might not be as many, but I would definitely start looking into this because if you are self-employed, then sometimes it can get a bit lonely depending on what you're doing. And it'd be really great to connect with people that are doing similar things in the industry as you are and that are in the local space that you are. It's great to have international friends that do this, but really great to have local contacts as well. Number 11 would be the travel and logistics. So planning the logistics of your move, what you'd have to do whether you're self-employed or not. That includes, you know, booking flights, shipping any belongings perhaps, and arranging temporary accommodation if needed. Number 12 would be the legal and financial advisors. So consider consulting with legal and financial advisors who specialize in international moves and freelancing and ensure that you're meeting all legal and financial obligations. You know, I wouldn't say that this would be the most important thing to do. It wouldn't be at the top of my list personally, but I think it's something to consider and kind of keep in the back of your mind that that is an option for you. And number 13, I hate to even bring this up, but just having a backup plan. It's always nice to have an emergency. If something happens, great to have a backup plan. Plan B, always good. So have a backup plan in case things don't go as smoothly as expected. So having financial reserves, I'd say would be the number one and having consistency plans can provide just so much peace of mind during the transition, just to make sure you have a bit of cash to fall back on in case you need it, in case there's any emergencies that come up along the way. In summary, if you are already self-employed and you're like, "Mm, I'm considering a move abroad, honestly, I think this is the easiest way to move abroad. The only other way that I think is like even easier is if you are already employed by a company in the US and the company is like, hey, you want to move to Berlin and keep your same job? Uh, Great. They'll take care of everything for you. And it's that's definitely the easiest. I'd say this would be number two easiest because you'll have to deal with your own visa and get it all sorted. But honestly, it is just filling out paperwork. You just have to kind of look at the guidelines. They might have five requirements like you have to be making at least two grand a month. I know there's some countries that are like, you only need 800 euros a month uh, of income and it's very easy. So I think this is definitely one of the easiest paths to take if you are looking to move abroad to Europe. So definitely pat on the back if you are a freelancer, contractor, entrepreneur, self-employed, or however you categorize yourself as a online business person. 
definitely you're you're winning. Um, so I've put together a list of the best online work visas to get abroad if you are interested. So like I said before, if this is something that you're considering, I've put together a list of all the best ones and some links to look at to see what the visa requirements might be. So if you're interested in getting that list, you can go snag it. It's in the description of this podcast episode and it will be on my website as well on the show notes. So if you want to go check out those links, I would go look at the description of this podcast episode and you can go check it out. With all that being said, that's it for me for today. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Move Abroad podcast. I will see you here again next Monday, same time, same place. I'll see you then.